We are so excited you've decided to listen to this week's sermon podcast. Hey, we release sermon podcasts weekly, so be sure to follow us and hit that notification bell so you can be notified when episodes are released. God bless and enjoy. I like that. Just as we start off this morning, let's just close our eyes, let's lift our hands, and let's just thank the Lord for being in this place this morning. Lord, we come to you right now. Lord, we just want to thank you. Lord, we just want to lift you up, Lord, for your majesty. Lord, for all that you've done for us. Lord, you gave your very life so that we could be in this place this morning and worshiping you. Lord, and we don't want to miss this opportunity to come in and to praise you and to lift you up, Lord, and to magnify your name. Lord, we know that you're worthy. And Lord, we come in right now, Lord, and we join with the angels and millions of others around this world today, Lord, just to lift you up and just to worship you. Lord, we magnify you in this place right now. Lord, we give you glory. We give you honor because you and you alone are worthy of it. Lord, we thank you for it this morning. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I'm sort of excited that... uh, even though I loved last week and it was amazing and we got to do some wonderful things that we didn't have to be here at 5.30 this morning. Sunrise services are amazing, but uh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I'm not sure if they're going to be able to get this on the screen or not, but they were doing some updates with our thing a while ago, so that's good. So if you got your Bibles... I know a lot of times we don't bring our Bibles to church because we got them on the screens. I'm guilty of that myself or got it on my phone. I'm actually doing this off of paper this morning, so I don't have my tablet with me. So y'all bear with me, throw myself off a little bit. We're going to the book of Revelation, chapter number 2. I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. Scriptures that I know we're probably all familiar with that we've all Going through quite a bit, but Revelation chapter 2, starting in verse number 1, says, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles. And are not, and has found them liars, and has borne, and has patience, and for my name's sake has labored, and has not fainted. Nevertheless, I have some once against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place. Except thou repent. I love those couple of verses. Now I'm gonna tell you, we're, we're gonna we're gonna teach more than we preach this morning. Brother Hathcock always says that, and we we chuckle a little bit because we know it's not gonna happen. Because he likes preaching, he gets into it. I can promise you, just bad if I tell you that I'm probably gonna teach. Probably gonna teach. It's more my personality, more my style. So. I'm excited about it. We've already worshipped, but let's pray this morning and just ask the Lord to be with us in this, in this Sunday school service. Lord, we come to you again right now. Lord, this word's already anointed. Lord, I just ask right now that you allow me to say the words you've given me. 
Lord, the message you birthed in my heart, Lord, I just ask that I be able to speak it to these great people. Lord, I ask right now that you open up each and every one of them's heart. Lord, let them receive the words this morning that you have for them. Lord, let us be stronger as a church. Let us be stronger as individuals. Lord, let us, through this message, somehow become better Christians because that's what we're here for this morning. We're here to learn how to love you more and to be the church you've called us to be. Lord, I just ask right now that you allow us to do that. Lord, we're going to thank you for it, and we still worship and praise you. In the mighty name of Jesus, and let the church say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, we're going to talk this morning a little bit, and and some of it's going to be sort of funny, and some of it's going to be one of those things that, because whenever I start talking, some of you are going to be convicted immediately, and I'm going to laugh at you, because we've all been there, and we all understand. And actually, I did it this morning. Just to make sure I knew the feeling, I, may, I went through and let my car do this this morning. But how many of you know exactly how far you can get when the gas light comes on? Uh, see? You can know exactly how many miles you can make it. You know exactly how far you can get. You can tell almost down to the mile how far you can squeeze out just a little bit further whenever that gas light comes on. My wife's giving me a dirty look, so I'm not going to mention her this morning. But from experience, I know that she can tell you down to the quarter mile how far she thinks she can make it whenever that gas light comes on. All of us have done that from time to time. Let me ask you this question. How many of you in this place have ever ran out of gas? Uh Uh-huh. It's a feeling where you get there, and I've gotten calls from different people before saying, Hey, I can't get the car started. What do I need to do? I'm like, what does the the gas gauge say? What's well, on empty? Well, we probably need to put some gas in it. Because a lot of times, if a combustion engine does not have gas in it, guess what? It does not work. Now, some of you may be a little more responsible. Some of you may be a little better at this. How many of you know how far you can go whenever you fill up your tank? If you can afford to fill up your tank, how far you can make it. Most vehicles now, especially most modern vehicles, will even have a little counter on there that shows you how far you can go until empty how far you can go with the amount of gas or the amount of fuel that you just put in it most of us know that you probably can tell exactly how much it is whenever you put it in a quarter tank or if you fill it up to a half a tank or if you fill it all the way up my dad always loves telling me because I'm still one of those people I'm I'm just young enough to remember when you could go to the gas station pull quarters out from under the seat and put gas in the car. Now you do that and they're just going to laugh at you. But I can remember what it was like, you know, pulling, digging up under the car seat, finding a couple of quarters, maybe a dollar or two, putting gas in the car and being able to make it to work for most of the week. I'm still young enough or I guess old enough to remember that. I still can remember what that was like where you know exactly how far you can get on just a little bit of money. My dad has a saying he loves telling me every chance he gets. Now, I remember him digging up under the seat and finding money. I remember whenever we were young that we didn't have a lot of money, and I can remember them rolling quarters, rolling pennies and dimes to pay for gas. I remember that. But he loves coming in now, and if he happens to get in one of my vehicles, and if it's got under a quarter of a tank or around a quarter of a tank, he said, you know, it costs the same to fill up that top half of the tank as it does the bottom half. I said, that may be true, but it takes a lot to get to that top half. But we all know, to a certain extent, how far our vehicles will go 
with a certain amount of gas. Or if you have an electric vehicle, I can promise you, you know exactly how far you can go before you have to recharge that thing. Because if you get to a certain point, you run out. You're not going any further. You're just going to stop. For some reason, we have it in our minds exactly how far, how, how far things will go and how far we can make it. Miles per gallon on the car is a wonderful thing to know. It's a wonderful thing to understand. And I'm going to tell you, if you have a vehicle, it's good to know what your miles per gallon is. If you drive an older vehicle, it's good to know how many gallons per mile it is. Because it'll let you know how far you can go. It'll let you know how far you can get under normal circumstances, under normal situations. Miles per gallon can change for little bitty things. It can change all the time. If you're going up a steeper grade, guess what? Your miles per gallon is going to drop. If you're going downhill, it may raise a little bit. If there's an oncoming wind, it can change how far you can make it. All of these little things can change how far you can make it and how far that miles per gallon works. But for some reason, as Christians, we do this exact thing with our lives too often. We get to a point where we know exactly how far we can make it in between church services. We think we know exactly how far we can make it between Sunday and Wednesday, if you're coming on Wednesdays. If you're not, we have a great time on Wednesdays. You need to be here on Wednesdays. But we know exactly how far that that high from that service on Sunday morning can get us just a little bit further down the road. Or that Wednesday night, how far it can get us through the rest of the week. You're like, well, if I make it to Wednesday night, I may not tell my boss off. And then if you don't make it to Wednesday night, we pray for you Sunday that you find a new job. Because we, as humans, for some reason, we have a propensity to do that. We like to know exactly how far we can stretch something. We like to know exactly how far that we can just make it last so we can make it go. I'm not going to ask how many of you do a budget in this place. But if you do a budget and you stick to it, usually you know exactly or pretty close to how far that money is going to last. You know exactly how far that food's going to last. And a lot of times in our Christian lives, we've started doing that exact same thing. We come to church on Sunday and say, okay, I made it to church. Last week, we made it to 6 o'clock service. Then you got to make it to a really good Easter service. And then all of a sudden, you get through the week and you start running on low. You start running your life like you're driving with the light on. Like you're driving with your spiritual light on. Just saying, if I can make it to that next service, everything's going to be okay. We've got it all figured out. We know how to do this. We know how to get from one service to the next. We know how to, that by Tuesday, we're going to start being, you know, a little irritable. We're going to start feeling, oh, we may need God a little bit more. And then, then on Wednesday night, we come in and we have an amazing service. You get to hear pastor preach. You get to hear someone talk. You get to hear the music. You get rejuvenated. You can make it through the rest of the week. And you start the cycle all over again where you're just going from one service to the next and you're starting to run out. But the problem is, in our minds, we have it figured out to where everything's perfect. Everything's on a straight line. Everything's going to be exactly the same. I'm going to be able to make it 12.4 miles whenever that light comes on. I'm going to be able to make it to that next gas station. The problem with life is, if you haven't figured this out yet, let me give you just a very shocking revelation. Life is not always easy. Life is not always going on top of the mountain. 
Life is not always hunky-dory. A lot of times there's going to be problems. There's going to be things happening. There's going to be things come up. And when those things come up, if you're driving with the light on, if you're living your spiritual light with the gas light on every week, just making it from Sunday to Wednesday, or trying your best to make it from Sunday to Sunday, what's going to happen when those big things happen? What's going to happen when something changes? What's going to happen when your routine is broken? I can remember when we lived in Terrell before. This is actually before we, um, when we first moved back from Dublin. We had a riding lawnmower that my dad had given the church in Dublin because we had quite a big yard there, and we, would, we had a little train that we'd pull behind it, and we used it for all kinds of stuff. When we got back to Terrell, the house we were renting had a very small yard, and it made no sense to start the riding lawnmower to mow this little bit of yard. And plus, where we were living at in Terrell at the time, things had a tendency to walk off. I know of any of you that live in Terrell, y'all have never had to deal with that. So we decided to take it back. So I had the, had the trailer, hooked it up to the truck, loaded the lawnmower on there. Lawnmowers don't weigh that much, a couple hundred pounds. So loaded on the trailer. And used to, whenever, before we moved to Dublin, we were going back to Louisiana just about every other weekend when we first moved here because we had never been away from home. We'd never been away from family. The kids were a little bitty. We'd get in trouble if we didn't go back pretty often. So we were going back almost all, just about every other weekend we were going back. So we knew exactly how much gas it took. I had taken my truck many times back and forth. I knew that I wouldn't even have to look at the gas gauge on the way over there. Because when I got there, it would have a fourth of a tank left. I'd stop at the little store just up from my parents' house, put gas in it enough to get to Shreveport. When I got to Shreveport, I'd fill it up because gas was cheaper, and I'd drive back. Every time this happened, every time we went, this was going on. So I knew I didn't even have to look down at the gauge. And I can remember loading that trailer up, and I did it after I got off work. So I was going over there probably 9, 10 o'clock at nights whenever I left from here. And I can remember getting to just about to Marshall and hearing a little beep. I was like, well, this is weird. And I looked down to see what's going on, see if maybe the check engine light had came on or whatever light came on. And it was the gas light had popped on. And I was at a spot where the next gas station was going to be about 20 miles. There's only one spot between here and Shreveport to where there's gas stations that far apart. I was in that spot. And I can remember watching as that gas gauge got down to empty. And I can remember as it went past empty. And I can remember being on, uh, being on the interstate and slowing down to about 55 miles an hour because I knew for sure that I wasn't going to make it. Finally, I get to, a, get to an exit with a gas station. I pull over at the gas station. I pull in. It's fairly late at night. I get there. I pull up. I said, thank you, Jesus, I made it. I get out to go to put the car in the pump, and the pump wasn't working. And I went inside. They said, no, our electricity went off. You're going to have to go another five miles down the road to the next station. Lord Jesus, are you sure about this? So I got in, and I limped all the way to the next gas station, probably doing 40, 45 miles an hour, just trying to preserve every bit of gas I got. I was even trying to figure out if there was enough gas in the lawnmower to siphon out to put in the truck. I was trying to figure it out. But I would made this trip so many times, I knew what it was going to take. I knew exactly how much gas it was going to take, and it blew my mind that all of a sudden my truck was using this much more gas. You know what it was? I was pulling a trailer with a lawnmower, even though it wasn't very heavy. It was just enough weight, just enough problem 
to change how far I was going to be able to get. Just enough to where it was going to change what was going to happen. And I thought about that in our lives as we go from Sunday to Sunday. We go from Sunday to Wednesday and we try our best and we got this thing figured out. And Brother Hathcock, I come in and I praise and I worship on Sunday morning. I pray too. I go to the altar at the end of church and guess what? I'm going to be able to make it all week long. But what happens? You get that call in the middle of the week that somebody's in the hospital. You get that call from the bank that there's been malicious activity happening and you have no money in the bank. Or maybe you weren't paying attention and you spent too much. And all of a sudden, your world comes crashing down. And all of a sudden, that thought that you had that you were going to be able to make it from Sunday to Sunday, all of a sudden, you're trying to figure out what you're going to do. You're looking around like, God, did you leave me? God, did you disappear? What happened? When the truth is you've been driving with your spiritual light on for so long, just thinking you could make it from time to time, not realizing that God intended this to be a daily walk. Not just a twice a week thing. Not just a Sunday thing. But we get it in our minds so many times that, man, if I can just make it to church. And let me tell you something. You need church. I've heard people say before, well, I can make it to heaven without church. You may be able, you can. But it's going to be hard. I can't find it in this word where it's going to be very easy if possible. You need the church. I'm not saying you don't. You need every time the doors open. If you can, you need to be here. Because that is where you get your strength from. That is what will get you through. That is what will help you. But if this is the only time that you're coming in and you're having a relationship with God, I can tell you, it's not enough. Because something's going to come up. Something's going to happen. Something's going to come in your life. And all of a sudden, that spiritual miles per gallon is going to drop like a rock. And you're going to try to figure out what in the world's going on. You're going to try to figure out. You're going to be calling everybody you can. Oh, I just don't know what's going on. Yeah. Where's your spiritual walk at? Where's your personal relationship? I've heard it said before. I didn't grow up in church. I didn't get in church until I was older. But I can always remember my grandmother, who was just a wonderful, wonderful lady. She didn't, didn't have all the truth that we have. And I talked to her about it many times. And I think we came to a pretty good understanding by the time she passed. But I can remember us going over to her house on Sunday mornings. We usually would go fishing and go over there. And if it was a Sunday morning and we got there, guess what? She wasn't going to be there. She was still going to be at church. I can remember going over on Wednesday nights and getting there. And guess what? She wasn't going to be there. That was one of my earliest memories of going there. But can I tell you something? If that was all she would have went, she wouldn't have the same memories. She wouldn't have the same thoughts. I can remember going over there and her playing the piano. I can remember her waking up early in the morning and praying, her and my grandfather. I still remember those things from this moment. And for some reason, I guess through daily life or just the being in the 21st century and the place we live in now or just being human, we truly believe that if we go to church on Sundays, and don't look at me like I'm crazy that you hadn't done this. Everybody in this place has done this from time to time. I don't care if you open the doors. I don't care if you take up the offering. I don't care if this is your first Sunday in here. I don't care if you're the pastor. I say this from my experience, not his. There are going to be times that if you're just living from service to service, it's going to be hard for you to make it. If you're just living from time to time, it's going to be hard for you to make it. If you don't have that personal walk, if you don't have that personal relationship, it's going to be almost impossible. Sometimes you pull more weight on different weeks. 
Sometimes you get those calls in the middle of the night that you're not wanting to get. Sometimes you get those calls that are going to change your world forever. And if you're not prayed up, if you're not ready at that moment with your spiritual walk, your world could crumple. We've all gotten those calls before. I was thinking about it just the other day. I remember we had been here for about a year, and I was working uh, at Kroger on Beltline and 30, right there off the interstate. And I remember getting a call from Shira, and she was bawling on the phone. You could tell something was wrong. And I remember the message she gave me, I can remember almost collapsing inside that store. I can remember, like, my knees, you've heard the stories of your knees going weak, going out. I, I remember that. I had to go sit down, and everybody came to me, man, what's wrong? You're usually not like this. You don't usually show a lot of emotion unless you're angry. A little bit of conviction there. And I said, well, my wife just called and said one of my best friends was killed in a car wreck. And I can remember that moment, that time when you, you, whenever your world just falls apart. I can still remember that moment. And luckily, I'd say luckily, we were, I was at a point in my life where I had been praying. I had been doing the things I was supposed to. And we were able to get through it. But I was thinking, if not, how would you have dealt with that? How would you have got through that? There are so many people today that we call them good Christians because they come to church on Sundays. They come to church on Wednesdays. But the truth is, if you're truly going to be what God called you to be, Sundays and Wednesdays aren't going to be enough. I told you I was going to dig a little bit this morning. I'm sorry. Well, I'm not sorry, but sorry if you get upset. Pastor, if I get out of line, you know you can call me out. <laughs> But we get to this thing where we think we can make it because we've always made it. We think we can do it because we've always made it from Sunday to Wednesday. And we'll keep being able to do that. When the truth is, that's never the way that God called us to do it. He said, you're supposed to have a daily walk with me. You're supposed to have a daily conversation. You're supposed to have a daily time whenever you're with me. If you want to be a strong Christian, if you want to be a Christian that the Bible calls you to be, that the Lord Himself is saying, if you want to be my follower, this is what you got to do, there are certain things that we have to do daily. It's going to be more than just about the Sundays and the Wednesdays. Number one, you got to pray. That's a daily conversation. That's somewhere where you're getting done, you're conversating with God every day. Now, I don't mean, and I'm going to say this, my wife right now is reading an amazing book on prayer that someone had given me and I hadn't had a chance to read yet. A lot of times when I read books, I'll give them to her and say, hey, tell me what's in it. I read very slowly. I have pretty bad dyslexia, so I read pretty slowly. So I'll always give them to her and say, give me an update on this. And she's telling me, oh, this is the best book I've ever read. This thing's got so many great things in it. You can read these things. You can go in and watch YouTube videos about prayer. You can go in and you can study all you want to on prayer. But can I tell you something? If you're not praying... It's not doing it. You can talk about it all you want to, but unless you're talking to Him, it's not going to matter. <laughs> Brother Hathcock will remember this story, I'm sure. We were working on, uh, in Cachada, we were there, and we didn't have an actual prayer room in the church. There, was, there wasn't an actual room where we had set aside for prayer in this church. So we had a little awning, like a little a little... What do you call that thing? I guess an awning, a little place, a little drop-off point where you could drop people off and they could go into the building even though it wasn't the door there at the time. And you could, you could get all, let off there. And Brother Hathcock started looking and said, you know what? That would be just perfect size for a prayer room. 
So he, they made up the plans. They got together, and we started to turn this, this, this awning, this little drop-off part, into a prayer room. And we were doing good. We had already had the walls up. Everything was up. We had spent quite a few hours working on this thing. Most days we were there for at least 16, 22 hours, somewhere along in there. And I can remember we were putting up, um, we were running wires for the uh, lights whenever we put the lights in. Brother Hathcock was in the rafters. I was handing up stuff to him. I was standing on the top rung of a ladder praying nobody came in because they would have been upset, especially if it was my wife. And I can remember handing him stuff there. And I remember... And I, I pray that I always remember this. Brother Hathcock stopping as I was handing him something. Stopping. And they asked me to set it down. I said, he said, bro. He said, we've been building this prayer room. He said, have you been praying like you're supposed to? And I felt like, oh, no, I hadn't. We've been doing this. We've been working on prayer. And I'm like, man, that, that was convicting. And then he said, because I know I hadn't. We're going to shut this thing down for a couple of days. And we did. And we shut it down. And after that, we made sure that there was time for prayer during that. Because we were working on a prayer room. We were working on a room where prayer was going to happen. But we weren't doing the thing that the room was for. You can talk about it all you want to. I said it a while ago. But if you're not talking to Him, it's not going to matter. And it can't just be a list of things that you're wanting from God. That's not what prayer is. Prayer is going through this Word. Prayer is going through it and saying having a conversation with God. Does that mean that he's going to audibly speak to you? Probably not. I don't know there's been many times where God has audibly spoke to me while I was praying. It would probably scare me to death. But you know that conversation you have. Those of you who have been in church for a while, those of you who have done this, you know that spirit, that feeling where God starts to lead you and God starts to take your life and he starts to transform it into what he wants. But that only happens with a daily prayer life. That's not going to happen if you're trying to make it from Sunday to Sunday. If you're trying to make it to Sunday and then sneak in a Wednesday. Now I understand. I'll say this right now. I understand you can't be here. Some of you won't be able to be here every time the doors open. Some of you have to work. Some of you have to do things. And you should be here every chance you get. But I don't care if you're working. I don't care if you're doing that. You have to have a prayer life. You have to make time to do that. You have to. The second thing you have to do, and this is not always a nice thing, and you can go back and read in 1 Corinthians 15 and 31, you have to die daily. What is that? That's repentance. That's putting this old stinking nasty flesh on an altar and saying, Lord, this is not my life. I'm picking up your life. This is the new man. I'm leaving all that other junk behind me, and I'm doing what you want me to do. You have to do that daily. Can I tell you something this morning? If the only altar you ever see is at a church, something's wrong. If the only time you ever go to your personal altar is after a church service, something's a little off. Now, if you need an altar, and I pray that these altars are filled here after a while, this is a place for it. But as mature Christians, if the only time we're coming to an altar is at church, something's wrong. Does that mean that you have to build an elaborate altar at your house and go and set it every day? Hey, if you need to, do that. The, the, the church in Forney, the pastor, uh, Tim Price, before I got there, his dad was a woodworker, and he had actually made all of them these little small altars that they had at their houses. We had a couple of them at the church still. And they would go in there and they would pray at them. Really cool thing. I know other churches have done that as well. 
But everybody needs to have an altar every day. Whether it be sitting beside your bed, whether it be at the kitchen table, whether it be in your car driving to work, you need to have a time every day to where first of all you're praying and then you're killing that old man. You're getting rid of all that nastiness. You're saying, Lord, I'm done with all of it. If we truly want to be the Christians that we're supposed to be, we're going to have to do that. I told you, I was teaching this morning. I'm not going to get loud. I'm not going to shout. Sometimes you just have to say it the way it is. And I thank God we go to a church where that happens all the time. Side note, I remember I was watching some things on a uh, churches the other day talking about different churches throughout the world, and I'm not going to call out any of them. But they were talking about how prayer life is never pushed and how dying daily and repenting is a foreign concept. If you want to make it to heaven, these are things you have to do. You have to repent. You have to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. You have to receive the Holy Ghost. And then you've got to keep that daily walk. Because that's what's going to get you through whenever these times get tough, whenever things happen. That's what's going to sustain you. That's what's going to take you from point to point. It's not going to be just the church services. Yes, you need those. You have to have those. But it's going to take more than that. You've got to have a prayer life. You've got to have that communication with God. You've got to be willing every day to get up and kill that old man. Amen. you got to be able to willing to get up and say, Lord, not my will, but your will today. You have to do that. The third thing, I'm going to keep it simple this morning. The third thing you've got to do, if you're not just driving with your light on, if you're not just making it from service to service, after you've worked on your prayer life, because you have to do that, after you've died daily, because you've got to repent daily, if you're not repenting daily, some stuff, is, some stuff is sneaking in. If you, don't, if you start repenting every day and then for a couple of days you don't, and you go, and Lord, just show me the things that I've done. All of a sudden he's going to show you a list like, Lord, I'm sorry. You have to do this daily. And the third thing that we have to do, this was a commandment from God. You can go back and read this in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. If you're going to be the church, you're going to be the Christian that God's called you to be, after you pray, after you've repented, you know what you do then? And when I say repented in prayer life, I'm adding renewing daily. You have to be filled with the Spirit daily. I'm throwing that in those two. But then the third thing we have to do, and, if you're, and this is something that's really important. I think this church is good at it, but we're talking to individuals this morning. You've got to share the gospel. You've got to build the church. If you're going to be the Christian that God's called you to be, if you're going to be Christ-like, you're going to tell people about this word. You're going to tell people about the amazing services. You're going to tell people about the things of God that are going on. You're going to tell this world that has lost all hope, this world that is trying to find something, this is the hungriest this world has ever been. Look at the junk that's going on right now. I was watching a podcast the other day, and they were talking about open Satan worship. And I was like, what are y'all talking about? And they showed different events that were going on. They showed... Um, a scene from the Grammys was at the from the Grammys and different things where they were showing almost open satanic worship. You're like, that's horrible, and it is. You look on some of these sites and these social media sites and you see how bad this world's gotten. But if you look closely, you'll see something. They're hungry. They're looking for something spiritual. People are probably open more to spiritual things right now than at any other time in history. They may not be looking at Christianity, but they're trying to find something spiritual. Right. 
We have the only message in this world that's going to save anybody. We have the only experience in this world that's going to save anybody. And it's our job as Christians, it's our job, if we're going to do what we're supposed to do, to tell everybody we can about this gospel. Spreading the gospel does not mean... How much time do I have? Okay, good. Spreading the gospel is not walking up to somebody and saying, please don't do this. If this is your way you prayed about it, then I could be wrong. Probably not, but I could be wrong. Best idea is probably not to walk up to somebody and say, hey, I see the way you're living, you're going to hell. Probably not the best approach. Not walking up to someone and telling them how bad they are. Telling them what all they've done wrong. That's probably not the best approach. Jesus didn't usually do that. He went in and he would have a message of hope where he'd tell them, Hey, there may be a bad situation going on, but we have a way of getting out of this. There may be something happening, but we know the one that can heal you. We know the one that can take care of your finances. We know the one that can make everything better. If we truly believe in that message, we should be able to tell everybody we meet something good about God. I am a severe introvert. Everybody laughs at me like, oh, you get up in front of people. Yeah, there is a wall right here when I'm talking. You're out there, but it makes it a lot easier if I'm up here talking. But if I come out there and try to talk to you individually, if I don't know you, I can do it for a couple of hours. This is the way that if you've ever seen me standing up over here on the side looking around... This is what I'm doing. I'll wait for Shira to get back if she gets back in time. And I'll say, hey, we need to go talk to them. That means, hey, you need to go talk to them. I used to do that at church, whatever we had, we passed the church. We would sit there and I'm like, hey, there's some guests. I'm going to go talk to them. But you need to go talk to them first. Because you may be an introvert. You may be at a point where it scares you to death to talk to people. And I understand that. But the Bible says that if you're a true Christian, if you're not living just from service to service, that you're going to be willing to go and you're going to be willing to take this gospel. He said, go forth and make disciples. He said, go forth and build the church. This is the greatest thing about church. This is the greatest thing about what we're part of. Some organizations, some things you become a part of, and they want to get to a certain size and that's it. The church is constantly wanting to grow. The church is constantly wanting to get bigger because that's our goal. Jesus said he came to seek and to save those which were lost. He didn't say just a couple of them. He didn't say just a few of them. And he said, you're going to be my representation here on earth. You're going to be reflections of my life. And if you're going to be truly a Christian, we're supposed to be making disciples. We're supposed to be inviting people to church. We're supposed to be every chance we get saying to people that, hey, he is good enough for me. I can promise you he's good enough for you. But how many times? Well, that says good, boy. We're shouting right now. You know why? Because we're in Sunday morning Sunday school. We're excited. Life doesn't happen most of the time inside these walls. It's going to happen whenever you walk outside of them. Some of you may be taking notes. Some of you may be listening. Some people online, you may go back and watch it again. That's great, and you need to do that. But if you don't take it and apply it, it doesn't mean a thing. If you're just going to listen to it and then not act upon it, what have you done? Are you just trying to make it from service to service? Are you just trying to make it from here to there and just hope that you get through, that you squeeze through by the skin of your teeth? Or are you truly wanting to be what God's called you to be? 
Are you truly wanting to be that Christian, that man or woman of God that God has called you to be? That's not going to happen on just a Sunday to Sunday experience. That's not going to happen just on a Sunday to Wednesday. That's going to happen on a daily basis. Let's stand this morning. Now the end of Revelation chapter 2 verse 5 says this, Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come again to thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of the place, except thou repent. Do you remember what it was like when you first came into church? When you were first received His Spirit? When you were first baptized? Some of y'all are not that far from there. Where every chance you got, you were pulling out the Word. Whenever you had a moment at work, you were pulling your phone out and looking up either, either scriptures or looking up something about church, going back and watching videos. You remember what that was like when you couldn't wait to get into another church service? You couldn't wait to get to another prayer meeting? You couldn't wait till you got home and were able to read just a little more in that book that you were reading? You remember what that was like? Well, his word says that if you don't get back to that, then you're not living like you're supposed to. If you're not going back to that love that you had when you first fell in love with Jesus, you know what's amazing? If you're willing to repent, he said, hey, I'll forgive you. And guess what? I'll make it just as sweet as it was then. But not only that, you're going to have a better understanding of how, how good it is. I wish we could close our eyes all over this place right now. These altars are open. If you have been to a place to where you feel like you've just been going from Sunday to Sunday and this is the only altar you've got, hey, they're open. We're here for you. But he's calling you to something deeper today. He's calling you something greater than that. Because he has called each and every person in this church to do something for his kingdom. He hasn't called us just to sit on a pew. He hasn't called us just to be here. He called you to be part of his kingdom. He's given you talents and gifts to be able to go out and reach this community for Him. He said, but you're going to have to have a daily relationship. And you're going to have to fall back in love with that first love you once had. Let's pray this morning. Lord, I thank you right now for everything that you've done. Lord, I thank you for the fact that whenever I was living just Sunday to Sunday, you didn't give up on me. Lord, whenever I was thinking about walking away, Lord, your love was still there calling me back. Lord, I just asked right now, not condemnation, but, Lord, that you just send out a gentle conviction this morning. Lord, that if we've been going through the motions, if we've just been showing up at church and trying to make it, Lord, I ask you to forgive us, first of all, this morning. Lord, show us how it is to love you. Lord, show us how it is to walk with you daily, to have that prayer life, how to repent. Lord, how to be refilled with your spirit. And, Lord, how to reach others. That's what you've called us to do. And, Lord, I just ask this morning, if there be anybody here in this place, and they've been doing that, Lord, just, or just wrap your arms of love around them right now and let them know that they've got a chance this morning to make it right. Lord, I just ask these words that have been spoken. Lord, let us not just hear them, but let us go out and do them. We don't want to be hearers of the word only, Lord, but we want to be doers. Lord, and that's what we ask this morning. That's what we're praying. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hey, we are a part of the greatest thing ever created in this earth, the kingdom of God. I wish you could see what I see this morning. Because whenever I look across there, I see 
the opportunity. I see what God has placed inside of some of you. I see you can see this the calling and the hunger on faces. If we will tap into that and you'll do what God told you to do, I promise you we'll have the greatest revival we've ever had in this world. Let's give him a hand clap before we dismiss this morning.